Welcome to MSG, Movement Scenes and Genres. Um, my name is Ewan. I'm, I'm not going to do the, the whole spiel because hopefully you've listened to others. But basically, a guest comes on and talks us through, I don't know, a movement in music, a scene or a genre um, with 10 songs. It's, it's basically Desert Island Discs, but, you know, I don't get paid the ridiculous amount of money they do. Um, if you're listening on our Mixcloud that's the best way to do it because you get to hear all the songs in their entirety. If you are listening on a normal pod player, you won't, but I will post a Spotify playlist where I can. Um, also, if you do come from Mixcloud, it's free, but um, you can subscribe for a couple of quid a month, which that 60% of that money goes to the bands we play, which is better than Spotify. So and we get about 20%. I mean, seriously, you're literally not giving me the money. Um, find out more at either infrequency.co.uk or um, mixcloud.com slash tempfans. Right. Um, today, um, joining us to talk us through, well, something is, well, guitar, I'm just going to say guitarist, Glenn Hodgson. Hey, guitar Glenn, God, guitar hero. Guitar, guitar hero, guitar God, um, whatever you however you like to portray yourself. Hey, Glenn, how are you doing? Yeah, pretty good. Thank you. All good. Okay. Um, sat in my nice little flat and uh, ready to go. You, you look petrified. It's not, I'm not going to ask you loads of difficult questions. Um, <laughs> so, so what are we doing? What's the um, movement scene or genre we're going to try and look through today? So we're talking about math rock, I suppose. Um, but it's kind of... Um, <laughs> okay, so, so I'm, I'm going to jump. So just to clarify, Glenn Hodgson is a guitar god for uh, the, the apparently math rock band Delta Sleep, who have just come back from various world tours and South American tours. So, I, so you know, he's probably the person to talk to about math rock. But every time you try to speak to someone about math rock, they generally kind of pretend it doesn't exist. Yeah, so Glenn, I mean, I would definitely be in that category. Does math rock exist? We had um, J.R. Moores come on before who wrote um, Electric Wizards, basically the tapestry of the history of heavy music. And he came wow. on to do noise rock. Oh, yeah. And I asked him the same question. What the fuck is noise rock? What the fuck is math rock? Is it actually a real thing or is it basically press bullshit? Uh, did he clam up? No, 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 no. He'd literally, a, he'd literally written a book about music genre. So <laughs> he, was, he was all genre. <laughs> Hmm, what is math rock? Uh, I guess it's a type of progressive post-hardcore, which uh, is called math rock just because it plays around in different time signatures. And that's a kind of poncy or pretentious sort of name that people have given it. But, you know, it it makes sense to describe something as mathy. It's an adjective, so. Well, every time, I mean, every time I've sort of tried to have a look for, for definitions, time signatures come up and... Um, occasional is what is it syncopation? Is that the phrase? Yeah, yeah. yeah those things come up quite a lot. Um, obviously, I know what syncopation is, but um, for our listeners, would you like to explain what what time signatures and syncopation means, and why something, well, how something is mathy? Uh, I guess something's mathy if it's not in four four typically, 
and things can syncopate when instead of counting one, two, three, four, you're counting the ands instead, like one and two and three and four. And but if you do it in five, like one and two, and you're always counting those, those ands would be the syncopated part, I suppose, would be a simple way to say it. And math rock, I guess, is defined by playing in lots of not fours, but in fives and sevens. And I mean, if you can, I guess it's called math rock because sometimes people like trying to count it, like what the hell are they playing? And that's where it comes from, I suppose. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. When I, because obviously I saw time signatures came up and I saw syncopation. So I went to have a look at syncopation. And the two examples that were not mathy that came up was uh, Stevie Wonder Superstition. There's a big mm. syncopated break in there. And the radio tr- head track uh, videotape uh, where the piano is just, it's on the ands. Yeah. And sure. It just feels slightly off. Um, I, I then watched a 10 minute video on YouTube about why, how, the track videotape was made and how syncopation works. And so I was like, oh, that's quite cool. I mean, I hope it was a mistake. As in, I hope that uh, whoever was mixing that, what's the guy who does all oh, of no, the production? Godrich. Not a Godrich. I hope that he accidentally punched it like a, a, a step and was like, oh, that actually sounds cool. Um, it seems it seemed like they planned it a bit. Um, but when you're watching, I can't remember the name of the bass player, and he's... Tom York's playing along on the on the piano, and then the bass player both bass player is supposed to come in, and he's got his headphones on, and you can see he's counting, he's he's moving to something else. Yeah, like he's not moving to the piano, he's moving to the ends, which mm-hmm. I can't even imagine how you would do that. But that's why I'm not a guitar god, or in fact, even in a band, I just ask people about music and vicariously get to feel I'm part of it. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, so what we're going to do, as we know people are listening, we're going to go through a bunch of songs. These songs, the guests either, some people come on and they're chronological, some people come on and they tell a story, some people come on and they just go, these are 10 songs I like that sum this up. Um, You sent me this list through, and most of the time when someone sends me a list through, I go, yeah, I either know all of them or three or four or five of them. This guy, I was a bit, (laughs) I know one of these, and I've heard of two of these bands. <laughs> and the okay. first one is one I've heard. What is what is the first choice? Let's get on to that, Glenn, and, and, and why. So uh, first track is uh, like a kind of math rock classic. Lots of people say it's the original math rock band. Um, it's Slint. The song is called Good Morning Captain from 1991. And, and why? And do, you, do you choose it just because it's, it's from the beginning sort of originally it's in both senses it's from the beginning like my beginning and also from uh yeah the beginning of that genre um yeah i remember when i was like in school sixth form whatever i went through this phase when amazon first became a thing and i was like wow oh my god people are selling cds on here for like 20p (laughs) uh and yeah i just i went through all these wormholes trying to get into the most obscure stuff i could and i ended up in that kind of early 1990s late 80s sort of math rock thing and i was like I bet no one at Six Forms ever heard this before. It was that kind of vibe. That's how I got into Sonic <laughs> Youth and things like that. I, I like I like how um, when you were at Six Form trying to pick things that nobody else would have heard of, you picked things from when I was Six Form age. Because, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I'm thinking, oh yeah, but if I was getting into stuff in '91, I'd be trying to pick. Oh no, this random band from '83. No one's heard of this one. I'd be going sure. down that road. Um, was this from what Slint's? But Slint's big album, Spiderland, right? Yeah, Spiderland. That's the their like main main album. I think they had another one. I think it was called Tweez. But uh, yeah, I mean they were quite an um, quite an amazing band. And there's like a lot of uh, 
mystique, I want to say, like around them, because uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the documentary Breadcrumb Trail. No, uh, no. There's a really amazing documentary about Slint, and uh, it's kind of interviews with like Ian MacKay from Fugazi, and I think even even PJ Harvey's in it, and all sorts of people who who are like at this time during the early '90s, Slint were like uh, this sort of mystery band that people were like, who the hell are these guys? And they're like. No one knew who they were. They were like 18. I think some of them were 17 when they made well, Spider-Man. Funny, funny, funny you should mention PJ Harvey because we did a Temporary Fandoms episode on PJ Harvey earlier in the year mm. um, on our website, blah, 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 blah. And one of the things I found out was that bef- when PJ Harvey was getting started, there was an advert for female vocalists for this album called Spiderland. Yeah, and she right. applied. They didn't get back to her. And then she went off and became PJ Harvey. Which is mental. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I mean, uh, yeah, they still have that on the back of... I mean, they even talk about that in the Breadcrumb Trail documentary. They were like, man, we released this record in 91. It's now 2017. And my, it's literally just my parents' address on the back. It says, like, interested female vocalist, please write to... And it's one of their, like, parents' place. And they just get <laughs> floods of letters every year still. Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. All right, well, um, we'll talk about some of the other early and big bands in math rock as we as we move forward but it's probably a good time to get started um if you are i'm only going to say this once if you are listening on our mix cloud mix cloud you're now going to hear slint good morning captain if you are not you're going to hear something go bloop, and then we'll be back then as i said i don't know a massive amount about math rock but when math rock flies into my head there are a bunch of bands that I automatically think about. There's Slint, there's yourselves, Delta Sleep. Um, there's Battles, although you've tried to tell me before Battles are, are and are not. Um, there's the Japanese band Trico, who you told me about when you came on the Number Girl podcast a year and a half ago, um, which is still one of my favorite temporary fandoms podcasts because I fucking love Number Girl. Um, and Shellac. Now, I've seen Shellac about... 10 times just because they played all tomorrow's parties all the time. And they also played Primavera Porto this summer. Um, so it was like, oh, there's Shellac. Um, if you'd said to me, who were the archetypal math rock pioneers? I'd have gone, well, probably Shellac, right? So uh, why are they not on the list? <laughs> <laughs> uh, partly because I don't like them that much. <gasps> I mean, I think they're cool and stuff. Maybe, I don't know what it is about Steve Albini that rubs me up the wrong way. He's just a bit self-satisfied. I mean, look, that's part of his shtick, right? He's like kind of self-satisfied, arrogant, obnoxious guy, but in a kind of fun way. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I don't think I have the attachment to the, his, their music that some others do. I do obviously really respect and admire Steve Albini for what he has done. He's not going to listen to this, it's all right. <laughs> no, but, you know, he's a really influential producer, ultimately. And a lot of the bands that I've chosen are definitely inspired by his production. So even, I was just going to say, even the Good Morning Captain, uh, sorry, uh, Spiderland, that whole thing was produced by Albini, and he's in that documentary I mentioned. Um, I saw something recently talking, I, I think, uh, talking about the Albini sound. You know, so, um, for example, Dave, producer Dave Friedman, if Dave Friedman turns up as he did, as he does with um, Flaming Lips, or as he does with uh, Clap Your Hands Say Yeah on the second album, or as he did with Number Girl by album three, suddenly you just go, "Oh, that's Dave Friedman." 
because he's walked in, he's turned everything up to 11, and it's just this wall of sound, and that's his sound. Um, does Albini have a production sound that you can identify? Yeah, definitely. He's definitely got an approach to recording stuff, which generally is everything recorded live. And he would say probably something like, doesn't make it like, what's the point in overdubbing all this stuff? What's the point in over, like, like adding all these layers of stuff? Like if it, the song's crap, you'll sound crap anyway. So like, I'm pretty sure, yeah, his sort of approach is always very like miking everything up really well. It all sounds good, but it's the band mm-hmm. playing in the room at that time. So all those really amazing Pixies tracks or uh, I'm sure the, uh, didn't he do Inutero Nirvana? I think so. I think it's so. One yeah. of those, and he also, he also did. I think the the second PJ Harvey album, when it suddenly sounds a lot rawer. Yeah, so he definitely gets a good vibe and gets you going and into that live world. Which, when I'm looking at all these other bands that I've chosen, that you know everyone is inspired by that sound. There's not. There's only one or maybe one here that's like quite a produced song. The rest of them are pretty much like this is the band playing, and it that's just them doing it. Let them sort of give them the space to sort of shine, I suppose. So, so there's no sort of uh, different band members going into soundproof rooms, recording their own thing with, with uh, headphones on. They're, they're literally just going in and playing? Or I don't know. I guess that's the effect that he has, is it sounds like that's not happening, even though undoubtedly at times it is. Uh, but he definitely gives it that effect of uh, this is the band playing. And like, yeah, it sounds shit sometimes and kind of they're making mistakes, but this is the sound that we go for. You know what I mean? Like accept mistakes and just make sure the band plays fucking well and they don't make mistakes. And I don't know, just has a nice honesty to the recordings. So, I mean, you're in Delta Sleep. I'm going to keep cutting back to to your band as well as we go. How do you record in the studio? Well, we used to do kind of everything under a microscope and like really trying to drop in and by by drop in, I mean like playing from certain points in a song to get that little part exactly right. Cause it can be quite technical sometimes now, as we've gotten older (laughs) and lazier, uh, lazier or better at guitar. I'm not sure. Probably mm, one of one and one of the, none of the other, but, uh, now we try and do everything live. So I guess that is also taking a leaf out of that Albini production manual where we spend a whole day setting up, getting everything sounding good. Like the guitar amps are all in separate rooms still, but we're in the same room. Uh, and yeah, just getting good sound and just go for it. And the best, best out of five takes, usually the best out of three. Usually, do you ever, do you ever do one and go, that's it, done? No, that'd be insane. <laughs> have, you, have you ever done one and, and, and thought... Actually, my yeah. guitar on that is yeah, it's, it's, it's so, fucking totally, shit totally. <laughs> but I guess the the problem with playing live sometimes is that it's like if one of us isn't happy with it, it's like you know, two of us will be like that was perfect, and the other two are like that was the worst I've ever done. So you've got to really keep, you know, you could do it forever, and no one's ever going to be hundred percent happy. So that's why usually five takes, which is the best of those takes, and we can try and fix the bits that we fuck up big big time on. But all right. Some of my favorite recordings have mistakes in, I think. Oh, I think so. I mean, when you listen to something that's pitch perfect. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, I love the band Spoon, and Spoon are a band that, if I had to say that the production is always perfect, 
Like they're a band who who, who bloom with their production. Certain, everything has been listened to and gone over back to back to back until this album where they basically went into a studio and did things together. But sometimes I do like that slightly sketchy, oh, that was a slightly bum note. Or the lead singer was slightly off on that one. Or did the drums slightly lose time and have to come back? Yeah, exactly. I mean, Neil Young, like one of my favorite recording artists ever. And he's definitely like three takes, next, three takes, next. Like we'll figure out which is the best one. But it's, it's also, it's also, actually, I'll come back to that uh, in a bit. Well, now is probably a good time. I, I say this a lot. Now is probably as good time as ever. I, if you're drinking at home, shot. Now is probably a good time as ever for the second track on the list. Um, question, are these chronological or is there an order you chose or did you just put um, them on the list? These were some of the first that came into my head. But well, hold on, there is another one from the 90s here somewhere. Uh, no, we, don't have to go, we don't have to go chronologically. Not really, but I mean, they are kind of a little in sort of order. Now we're in year 2000. <laughs> All right, 2000, I was, how old? No, year 2000. 15. Um, just as a bit of a backstory, Glenn and I have known each other for quite a while. We used to work <laughs> together uh, in a school. And Glenn once said to me, dude, what was it like being alive in the 90s? So, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, what is our second track, please, Glenn? So the second track is Don Caballero. Uh, the song is called Details on How to Get the Iceman on Your License. I'm sorry about these song names. They get and when you send later. that through to me, the word Iceman was in full caps. Yeah, I know. It's got weird capitalizations in there. That's just how the song's written. They're all kind of slightly weird like that. Um, okay, so I mean, as we try to work out whether math rock is a thing, a loose umbrella, just a bunch of modern prog rockers. Um, where let's try and sort of work out how they're diff all these bands are different and how they're the same. So Don Caballero, um, is this a Steve Albini influenced um, rock sense of rockers? Is it? Yeah, I mean, look, I think Steve Albini just influenced a sort of style of music. Uh, sorry, a style of production, and there's all kinds of like rock music or math rock or post rock or whatever, like that's influenced by that idea of try and get it as live sounding as possible. We don't want it to be like glistening clean. Mm. But, um, yeah. I mean, okay. You mentioned time signatures before you mentioned, you know, uh, things, you know, things like this. Um, does this, uh, if, if I, if I, if we put this on right now, and when the people are listening, listen to this, are they going to hear guitars going? Ding, 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 ding. That's how that's how math rock sounds in my head. Ding, 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 yeah. So ding, ding, a good way to describe this, good way to describe this next song, you might be able to help me here because I've really been trying to think of the name of this composer. Uh, he's a classical composer who does these sort of cyclical. Is it Steve Reich? Steve Reich does stuff like Steve Reich is a classical composer, but he does this like kind of cyclical stuff. It's almost like uh, two like gears of a clock slightly going out, and every now and then it clicks in perfectly, and you're like, "Oh my god, that's what he's trying to do!" And then you, and then it goes out, Matt, and it's complete chaos for a bit, and then suddenly it clicks in again. I think it's Steve Reich. I just googled Steve Reich cyclical, and the first thing that comes up says, "In contrast to Reich's usual cyclical structure." So yeah, it's it's Steve Reich, so um, or Reich or Reich, Reich, whatever. Yeah, but uh, yeah, him, yeah, him. So yeah, I actually think the kind of essence of a lot of Steve Reich's kind of product, not production, like the way he makes music, is 
kind of like where a lot of math rock comes from. You can definitely hear it in the beginning of this uh, uh, Don Cab song. Uh, it's almost like got a kind of Brian Eno-y mad ambient sound, but also this sort of Steve Reich, almost like two clocks, one slightly out of time with the other, and every now and then it clicks in. I actually saw uh, I actually saw this uh, friend of mine said something about Mathrock the other day, and he's like, Mathrock is like three minutes of the worst music you've ever heard in your life, but then 30 seconds of this life-changing riff. And I was like, actually, this sums up this song. It's like, you either love it or you hate the first like three minutes because it's just mad. But then occasionally later on in the song, it clicks into this sort of part that's just so melodic and amazing. And it's like life-changing guitar riff for me. All right. So we talked a bit about... um the cyclical nature of, of Don. You said Don Cab, but I quite fancy saying Dob Caballero. Um, there's a lot of instrumentals, from what I can gather, in math rock. Um, more than any other form of modern rock, I could say. I mean, basically, you've got jazz, and then you've got math rock, and then you've got, then you go back to. Is what? Why does this lend itself more? to that rather than other forms of rock, you know, the classic sort of chorusy verse, guitar. Everyone has has guitar solos. Everyone has that. I mean, a lot of it, that kind of music started, what, like 91, all the way through the 90s as bands doing this kind of thing. But I suppose a lot of more commercial or big rock bands at the time, you were either like a punk band where you sort of shouted a bit, or it was kind of a bit, not butt rocky with grunge, but you know what I mean? It could be a bit like, and uh, could, was that I your mean, Eddie Vedder? <laughs> yeah, that was my Eddie Vedder or my uh, uh, Soundgarden, but uh, Chris Cornell. But uh, I mean, can you imagine anyone singing over that last track? Do you know what I mean? Which was the Don Cab one, like that beginning part, you'd be like, this song sounds mad enough and I don't need someone wailing over it. Like The only way I could imagine someone singing over it, um, Regular listeners to our podcast will know that we did two episodes on the, the, the German band Can, who were very famous for long, jammy, psychedelic, but not psychedelic groove things. And there were bits that were okay for me. Everyone else on the show loved them. There were moments that drove me insane. But they had vocals, but their vocals were very much more down the Demo Suzuki or modern Sean Ryder. You can imagine a Sean Ryder singing over that, you know, or a sort of almost spoken, slow, hushed thing, but not actually, I know, I couldn't imagine anyone singing. Like, where would the verse go? Well, yeah, that's it. I mean, there's no, like, conventional, in a lot of these songs, no conventional verses uh, or, like, choruses. A chorus often needs a big hook. Uh, You know, the two tracks I've played so far, we've only got one of them that has, like, spoken word. But I think the idea was, like, at that time, just trying to make music like just quite like challenging and sort of play stuff that doesn't sound like anything else. Uh, especially with Slint Don Cab, there really were Don Cab. That beginning of that track is just great, and just trying to make music that doesn't sound like anything else is quite ambient and just sounds like almost got ran like really nice random elements to it. And I just unless someone was singing in a really like unusual way, you it wouldn't work with any of that. And I'm sure. 
also also if you sing if you're making lyrics like you need a kind of beat to follow and sometimes if you haven't really got a beat to follow i mean spoken word is fits to it is this why um and i i mean i may be wrong here but is this why battles who i class as a as maybe the more commercial part of 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 math rock um they have vocals but their vocals are not verse chorus is like just sounds and bits yeah, and bobs yeah. that come in and out is it because t- how can you fit something else in yeah i mean it's interesting you mentioned battles because obviously that's uh guitarist from don caballero uh and i the, saw that is, wikipedia today <laughs> yeah sure so yeah and um they've done absolutely amazing stuff battles i really had them included on this list until i was like you know what i'm gonna have some more obscure stuff i like i, I love that they collaborated with uh Gary Newman and there's just all sorts of like odd stuff. The Warp Records link is really cool if you're into like Aphex Twin and all that kind of stuff. And even stuff like Aphex and Squarepusher that has a kind of mathy element to it as well. Well, that's what I was going to say when you were talking about um, how could you put the, the vocals over it and things like that. My brain went Orb, Aphex Twin, as in references from the early 90s that I'd go, okay, but they're doing something electronic, but they're also doing stuff it wasn't like dance. Aphex Twin wasn't like dance music had been beforehand. It yeah. was, what the hell is this? You know, yeah, it's like challenging. And you wouldn't yeah. have like an MC on a- Aphex Twin. You know, that's the same example of having vocals on this kind of stuff. I'm just going to, to go turn up for my club night with um, selected ambient works and then just 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 wrap over the top of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, okay. So moving on, where are we next? So the next band I've chosen, uh, actually because they do have really nice vocals, um, it's a band from LA called Pretend. Um, and yeah, they released this album, Tapestried Life, 2015. Um, it's got a more palatable kind of Don Cab sound. And I'm talking about the drums in particular because drums or percussion is a really like, it's a, an essential part of math rock. You've got to have a drummer who can play that kind of complicated stuff because it frees other people up to either play something really simple in that kind of cyclical way and it makes everything sound like more interesting or you know just kind of if having a drummer who can do that kind of stuff just frees everyone else up to be like okay i'm gonna do this i don't need to lock into something simple i I can go somewhere else there was um so um on one of our other pods we had um fliss kitson who's a drummer of a band the nightingales they're long-running uh, Birmingham punk band, but she's been in for uh, eight, nine years, something like that. And um, I went to see her and the lead singer be interviewed about the the soundtrack to the sort of movie that was made about them. And she oh, was this talking, King Rocker. It was King Rocker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The Stuart Lee film. Absolutely fascinating. I haven't seen that um, yet. Um, but when they were talking, when when but Fliss was able to was saying that she used to be quite rigid. As a drummer, you know, regular time pads and blah, blah. She was always a phenomenal drummer, but she, was, she didn't, it was when she learned to sort of free herself and start doing, playing things that were not expected that suddenly she, she the band could go in different directions, like, like you said. And so she was talking about it in that way. And so when you just said that, I was like, oh yeah, I heard Fliss do that about a month ago. Um, all right. So there's vocals. Um, okay. So we've had rock and we've had sort of cyclical classical psychedelic math rock Where, where's this i I'm, i want all the sub 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 genres yeah, yeah. okay what word super, what's word super we having for this one uh just very 
Oh, uh, honest emotional lyrics. There's a lot of crossover between uh, math rock, emo, post hardcore, those kinds of like types of music that really developed during the early 90s. Um, but yeah, once again, there's a real thread running through this, which I think so far is the kind of super live sounding production. Uh, and I get once again, it is just like three guys or three people in a room. Uh, I think, you know, it's just not overdone, not overproduced. And they, everyone just sounds really comfortable with what they're playing. And it's almost got a kind of soulful, almost like neo soul kind of vocal thing. It's just no, really no, beautiful. The podcast is over. We've got the words neo soul. That's it. Done. I'm giving up. I'm, I'm... <laughs> You'll see what I mean when you listen to it. It's very tender and just close. Uh, yeah. And it's a bit of a difference, makes a bit of a difference to the previous two, I suppose. <laughs> So the last band were from LA, I, I believe, presentable from LA. Um, certain genres of music or big classifications of music have local scenes, local sounds. You know, whether you go hip hop and you have East Coast, West Coast, you know, or you, there'll be a, there, there was definitely, a, a, there was definitely a, a Seattle sound in grunge. You know, uh, the, the LA band sounded different. The New York band sounded different. Is there a clear delineation with, math rock particularly mm. or math rock influence bands um and is it with sound or is it just these lot work together and we know that they're together i mean can, could you tell uh yeah i mean you can definitely describe something as having like a midwest sound so that kind of chicago to well i guess it's that sort of chicago is it illinois area yeah illinois just west of uh like new york that whole region there there's definitely a midwest emo sound and like i said there's a lot of overlap between like early mid nineties emo stuff. And then math rock, like bands at American football, for example, a, a big like uh, cross point between two of those genres. So there's definitely a Midwest sound. There's definitely like a Japanese sound. Which you'll probably look at later. Um, yeah. Okay. okay. Well, let, let's put it this way. I mean, you're obviously not from the U S um, you're, you, you're Delta, Delta sleeper from, I mean, you, you're Brighton based, but yeah. Were you, are you are you all Brighton based? Would you say you're a Brighton based band, or was yeah, it Cambridge? Yeah, I'd, I'd say we're a Brighton based band. It's where we all kind of got to know each other well, and we, we started touring a lot more and writing and stuff. But now we actually live all over the place. Two of us live in Brighton. One of us lives in Rome. One of us lives in uh, Froome, in the west west of Bristol. Oh. But uh, yeah, I definitely say we're a Brighton band for sure. And would you say would you say that UK math rock? I, I'm using the word math, even though obviously people go. Well, yeah. math, blah, blah, blah. I'm using it because just because it's easiest. Would you say that UK math rock bands have their own sound? Would you say that there's a certain thing that's present in the UK scene yeah, that maybe totally. isn't in the West? Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't think I actually included a. Oh, no, I did include one English band on this list. <laughs> could have put more on, to be honest, but... Um, I'm noticed you didn't, you didn't even put yourself on. I did say you could. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm not that much on my own ass. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, so, so what would be the UK? What, is, what would be the idiosyncrasies? Of, is it more, I don't know, more melodic, heavier? Um... So in the UK, from like 2004 to 2010, I suppose, maybe a bit earlier than that even, there was a definite UK post-hardcore scene. Uh, UK post-hardcore scene was like very technical and very heavy. So a lot of screaming kind of tech guitar, tech drum stuff. 
I mean, think like uh, I could give you some names like uh, Million Dead or like even Sixth were a kind of UK post-hardcore band. There's a, loads of bands that loads of people would have to do a lot of digging, like Second Smile to find. But yeah. um, yeah, there was definitely a kind of long black fringe sort of studded belt kind of screaming emo phase. But actually there was loads of crossover there in, and that's sort of, I think a lot of the start of the UK kind of math rock scene, a lot of it came from that. Uh, and it's either gotten heavier or more twinkly and light. But uh, it still has, you know, some of that vibe. So if if, if we say Slint and Shellac are the sort of you know, godfathers in the US, say, yeah. like the starting point of, of math work, is there, um, is there an influence in the UK? And it doesn't have to be mathy. It can be just a band that everybody all generally refers back to. Or like, is there anywhere in the UK that's specific? Uh, it's difficult to say. Probably a band called uh, Color were one of the first. And they were like a real crossover between this like emo-y kind of indie, think like V-neck uh, top man jumpers <laughs> kind of. <laughs> that was the vibe, but also great band. Um, Color, This Town Needs Guns were another one who kind of were big in that scene. And I suppose I started playing in that scene towards the end, not the end, but like one of those bands split up around then. And uh, yeah. it was definitely a big kind of uk sort of alternative rock indie math rock kind of scene that started around then all right cool um all right so moving on what is our fourth number four is uh old favorite of mine a band called farraket uh i think they're very representative of the kind of washington dc sound and i suppose talking about genres and so like what where they kind of come from there's definitely uh 90s 2000 dc scene which is sort of carried by a record label called discord guitarist of discord is ian mckay he was from fugazi also minor threat so again big post hardcore link there um yeah this album the view from this tower it's called was produced by a guy called jay robbins uh jay robbins is a kind of hero of mine he used to play guitar in a band called jawbox and oh i saw jawbox this summer yeah, same. I played with them this summer. By accident. I, I, the, I'll tell you the reason. This, this is a callback to earlier on. Sure. Um, we went to Primavera Porto, and the, the first night, the, well, the headliner was Interpol, but the, the second headliner was Nick Cave. And Nick Cave owned that stage, even though we were right a bit, we were a bit far back because it was our first post-COVID festival, so I wasn't comfortable getting in. in. Um, you could see him running up and down the gantry, owned that. Next night, we went to see Beck. Big purple screen, small man, sounded like I was listening to Spotify. There was no mistakes. There was no, the, the vocals sounded so perfect and off the record. But after the fourth track, we went, it's a band called Jawbox on. So we're going, what's Jawbox? And we were, we were three tracks in and my wife turned to me and went, hey, Siri, what did the 90s sound like? <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I'd never heard of them. And I don't know how I hadn't heard of them because they were floating around and they just sounded like a 90s band. Sure. Um, I did go and Google their biggest hit back in the day. And I went, I think I, I, think I saw this on MTV once or twice. But you said you played, so you said you played with, with, with Jawbucks this summer or supported them? Or yeah, we supported, their London, <laughs> we supported their London show on the tour that you would have seen them on. Um, 
yeah. But Jay Robbins, he's the guitarist, is a bit of a kind of legend in the sort of math rock scene because he produced this this Farrakhet record, and the Farrakhet record is seen to be like almost like a gold standard of like this is amazing. If it's not as good as that, it's probably not very good. And if it's as good, it's probably trying to rip them off. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right. I mean, you've bigged this up. No other words. Let's just go straight to what? Cut self not? Yeah, that's the one. You just mentioned that you supported uh, the band Jawbox in the summer. Um, and also, um, anybody who's been paying any attention to Delta Sleep or now goes to pay attention to Delta Sleep will realize you've had a year of big fuck-off tours. <laughs> yeah, it's been um, bonkers. How is touring... Well, number one, number one, obviously, we're post-COVID, so there's that factor. Uh, number two, you're a UK band, so there's the Brexit factor in terms of Europe. Sure. And, and maybe everywhere else. Number three... If we go back 20 years, you'd have got a bunch of uh, <laughs> loans from the record company to go and spend on spend on so and so, you know, advances and whatnot. And you'd sell a, you'd sell more you'd sell a bunch of records. Whereas now people go actually they just go I just stream it from Spotify. Um, and so obviously there's probably the need to go out to stay as a band more yeah. and more. How sure. that's a lot of questions there. Um, how is touring? How is touring globally? How has it changed since you've been in the band? Blah, blah. How was your last tour? Sure. Um, touring's going really well. Uh, we've been doing it for like 10 years now, so it's good to finally start <laughs> making some money. Uh, it's not like we're loaded or anything, but you know, it actually pays for itself. We could like we just did a tour around Latin America and stuff, and you know, we're still very much a DIY band. So, you know, for it. so you're not coming back broke, broken. No, 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 not at all. I mean, like we're using it as, you know, I can't tour as much as I am without making sure that I can pay my rent and so on. You know what I mean? So yeah, but you know, it's taken a long time of playing to no one, but still having it, as long as you're having a good time, that's always been our thing. Like how many, how many shows have you done this year? Are we actually on our most recent merch run had all of the dates this year on the back, but it's something, it's kind of ridiculous. I can't remember how it is. It's just two massive columns going from like, we did like five weeks in the US. We had like one day off on that run. Um, wow. Yeah, we did like a two week Europe one. We've done two weeks in the UK and we did about 10 days in Latin America. Uh, and probably something else I'm missing out there. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing. I mean, I don't even need to look. I mean, no one ever plays the south of Spain. That's why I, that's why I definitely know that you won't do I mean, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. Everybody plays Milan. Everybody plays Hamburg. Everybody plays Madrid. Everybody yep. plays Barcelona. I, I, I know all that. Um, down here, it's a bit weirder. Although, although um, I live in Malaga province, and it is culturally dead in terms of alternative music. Perfect. There was a bit, but... But there is one thing, and it's called Canela Party, and it's in Malaga, and they've expanded it to three days this year. And this year, it was basically who was who were the top ones? It was, um, I think it was Mets, um, Ty Siegel, mm. King Glizzard, and the Glizzard Glizzard were supposed to play, but called <laughs> out, and Dinosaur Junior jumped in. Battles. Um, I'm awesome. The lineup, the lineup is is astounding, and it's it's the o it's the only thing for hundreds of miles around that is 
proper, proper, proper alternative. So uh, get yourself there next year, and I'll come and see you. What's it called? <laughs> um, Canella Party. I'll send. I'll. I'll, I'll I'll, I'll tell you in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> we remember, Glenn. We have breaks in between. Oh uh, yes, of course. On. No, this is all live. <laughs> How, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, before we move on, what is your? You you, you played in, in Chilota. What was the worst place you ever played? What in ever the, in my life? In the no, in the you know. Sin, okay. Well, this year, <laughs> let's let's ignore the early days when it was just you know you and you and. Your mates Ooh. and your girlfriend and your girlfriend's mates. But once you started... Didn't, have, didn't you know, have a girlfriend then. <laughs> None of us then did. You became, then you became a guitar god and uh, <laughs> all of a sudden things changed. Um, when, like from when you became a band that came out and there was a, a recognizable amount of people there, from that moment, you know, when you think, okay, we're actually touring and people are going to turn up, what was the worst venue you ever played at? Oof, man. Like the toilet's broke. How, long have, you got? how long have you got? Uh, we have as long as you want to talk. You're saying avoid the early stuff, but some of those ones are the best. Bring it. Bring everything. Uh, I once <laughs> played a gig in Durham at a place called The Fish Tank. Uh, it was kind of like, you know, a place to play, I suppose. Uh, and we play... The, imagine that the venue is like a corridor. There's a bar running along one wall. And to get to the end, to get to the toilet, you've got to go through this sort of corridor. And we basically had to play like in front of that corridor. So people had to walk through us to get to the toilet. Uh, the urinal was full of sick. Uh, and that's from the night before when we got there, when we arrived, it was like, Oh, that's from last night. It was like, we were there at like 5 PM, 6 PM, whatever. Uh, yeah, it was pretty rank. And then just loads of people walking through our stuff and yeah, not great. I do love that sort of thing where you sort of, you have to get them and go, I need the toilet. But if I walk past the toilet, the band's playing and it's a quiet one. It's all right. We sort of <laughs> um, all right. Let's, um, let's fly on to the next one, which if I look at my list, which I've just closed and just closed. I was so busy trying to find that Canela party. I'm going to cut this down. There we go. Okay. Let's go. All right. So we've moved, if we move on to number five, We've got a band who I thought I'd heard of, but maybe it's just there's bands that have similar sounding names, um, which is Enablers and Output Negative Space. Where are we on the sort of proggy, rocky, uh, ambientometer? Oh, so where are we? Uh, it's a band of older people. So old men. Careful, let's say. What do you mean by old? <laughs> I'm looking at you being like, it's a band of uh old people. <laughs> no, but uh I mean actually to be fair, you do look like the guitarist. There we go. Yeah, we Which go. makes a change makes a change. All I've had this year uh was Stanley Tucci, but then I decided to <laughs> grow a bit of a, a shade a shady beard to get rid of it. Um all right, so older people. So I'm so guessing... wait, let, let, let me uh get into it a little bit so enablers are one of my favorites uh one of the members used to be in a band called swans who some oh, people I've might know swans. yeah some people might know them uh and the original drummer was the drummer of a band called june of 44 um another kind of early 90s sort of alt rock sort of mathy band um they're absolutely great they kind of go back tie back to slint in a weird way because they've it's like it's basically spoken word poetry over this sort of spidery guitar stuff 
Um, oh, so that goes back to what we were saying earlier on. How do you put vocals over some of this stuff? And yes. maybe either the sort of Demo Suzuki, Sean Ryder, yeah. or just spoken word. It's very arty, um, and I love it for that. It's unapologetic and, you know, slightly challenging. Some people actually get quite repulsed by the idea of spoken word stuff over music. They find it quite corny. But, you know, I actually think it's really well done on in Enablers. Uh, the poetry is great. It's kind of deep and complex without being kind of overly verbose. And But, uh, you know, you've, it is literally spoken word poetry. Like, But the way it's delivered as well live, it is almost like a kind of, I don't know what the word is, like a hardcore band or like watching Iggy, Iggy Pop go a bit mad uh, doing his sort of spoken word thing. It's just great. Love it. We've talked about influences a, a little bit, you know, and we've mentioned the, the slints and the shellacs and the, the fugazis and, 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 and uh, the draw boxes. Um, in Delta Sleep, what would be the four most disparate influences? That, well, there's four of you, right? Yeah. yeah. The four most disparate influences you have. You know, like Glenn really quite likes. Mm-hmm, and like, sure. There must there must be something you all bring to the band that's from a that's from different places. Yeah, uh, our drummer Blake is a big big hip hop fan, like old school hip hop kind of stuff. Uh, Jay Diller, that kind of thing. He listens to that a lot. Uh, Dave, our bassist, comes definitely from like an Iron Maiden metal background. Like, yeah, he loves that kind of stuff. Uh, Dev, uh, he's the guitarist and singer. Probably, well, he used to love Dillinger Escape Plan. That was where he kind of came from. And where did I sort of come from? I kind of came from more of a electronic-y background. When we first started, I, I just listened to Aphex Twin and Ortecra and Boards of Canada and things like that. But, I mean, I listened a lot to... Uh, so how did the four of you blend any of that when you got together because obviously obviously you know you're professional you were professional but when you first started and you're coming in after listening to sort of some banging ambient techno and there's somebody who's just listened to bring your daughter to the slaughter and someone <laughs> who's there how did that become melodic i'm going to call you melodic because you're quite melodic melodic math rock well, it's not like we just listen to that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like we each... No, no, li- that's it. That's it. That's it. It's only, it's only that. <laughs> like we each like the stuff that the others sort of came from in a way. You know, we it's like it's not like I listen to old school hip hop all the time, but I do enjoy it. I'll rephrase it. What from your influences is brought into the, your band sound, if anything? Okay. Um, well, I guess starting with the rhythm section. Well, I... Blake, our drummer, loves that hip hop stuff and he loves Deftones and Korn. And there's a big crossover between like that kind of new metal yeah. thing. Yeah. So his drum style definitely is inspired by Deftones, 100%. And that Deftones and Korn, really. And our bassist, because they're the, both the rhythm section that locks in nicely. Because I mean, Dave likes all sorts of stuff. Thin Lizzy is one of his favorites uh, and just loves that kind of like. Uh, just big fat rocking bass tones um yeah dev likes the kind of more scatty dillinger escape plan kind of thing i mean dillinger escape plan did a cover of aphex twin once so brings it full circle to me Mm -hmm. 
And, and how do you bring in your electronica into your guitar solo? No, it's a terrible question, but you can answer it if you want. <laughs> I mean, back in the day, we used to toy with the idea of having electronics involved. And then we just thought, you know what? We're not very good at that. We're barely good <laughs> enough at guitar, so let's just... That has, uh, that has not stopped a lot of bands. Oh, 100% it hasn't, uh, but I'm glad that we didn't. Um, all right. Well, out of all the songs that you put through, this is my favorite title. And it's the track... Well, we, we're going to... Why you, We've got what? Yeah, it does look like a spider, which reminds me of a book I absolutely loved, which is, Dude, this book is full of spiders, don't touch it, which is also a, a spider-related title. Um, <laughs> um, by a band called Tangled Hair. Right. Yep. Why? Why? Who? What? So, Tangled Hair, I thought I'd have a representative from the UK, and in my opinion, they're one of the best to do it or have done it um the drummer and the guitarist are members of a band called color that i mentioned earlier on uh, who were sort of early 2000s kind of uh indie progressive indie i suppose uh, and then they became tangled hair um i love the recordings again like going back to that kind of live production sound that runs through all of these bands really um and it's all just very honest british sounding uh Ties in a lot with that kind of emo sound as well. But uh, yeah, I don't know. The drums in this next track are just absolutely brilliant. And yeah, just a great band. Lovely guys. When you sent me through this this, this list of, of songs, I, you know, I went and did my cursory research. And um, I, I with the next one... Um, before we get to it, I ended up on on, on a, a brief Reddit um, forum, no, thread, um, where someone posted one of the next band songs on the r slash math rock, and everyone went, "Great song, not fucking math rock, though, is it?" Um, what? I mean, okay, we we talked about crossover, you know, and there's a lot of crossover with sort of post hardcore, and you know. To the point that it kind of makes, and, and yeah, there's probably crossover with jazz and crossover with you know a lot of rock and all of this, and it kind of it does make genre a bit redundant sometimes. But also, if you're really lazy like me, it's nice to put it with a little sticker and go, "Well, I'll file this under." Yeah, da, 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 da. in the yeah, record yeah. shop in my head. Because imagine, imagine a record shop with no genre categories. Everything's just A to Z. It'd be a nightmare. Um, or as I call it, how Amazon looks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so this whole thread, they're like, great song, great song, great song. You know, it's, it's, it's this, it's this, it's this. It's not math rock. It's not math rock. And before we started, I said to you, I said, yes, I was looking. You know, there was no shellac and no no battles and no falls. And you went. Or falls math rock. I'm like, I don't know where to put stuff, Glenn. I've heard that. I've not... heard them be referred to as that before. I uh, I guess it's like. I mean, I could have gone down a whole different cat- path here with falls because they were in some quite interesting bands before falls. Uh, but that's for another time. We can do a temporary fandoms. Maybe we we'll do a temporary fandoms on falls. Um, but I think what, what, what I'm very long windedly trying to get at is, does genre actually have a place? You know, it's very easy to go. Well, this is this is math shoegaze. Okay, I know exactly what what that is. Or this is 
so-and-so or this is so-and-so. But then so many bands are shoehorned into yeah. various things. Like um, Blind Melon were not that band that people said they were. I'm, I'm going to do lots of old people references now. Um, certain Grieber, bands that were called Grieber were not Grieber. Just because they were from Manchester did not make them like Stone Roses or Happy Mondays. Britpop was the laziest um, umbrella I ever heard. But bands from England, and you're saying that Oasis and Cooler Shaker are the same. Th- I mean, I don't like Coolish, but you know, you know what I mean. Uh, there's a big difference in the art rock of suede and mm. the swagger of the verb, for example. Do we need genre as musicians? Do you need genre? Do you ever think, oh, is this out of genre when you're playing something, when you're working on something in the studio? Is it more important for journalists? Is it useful for fans? Is it useful for bands? Uh, yeah, I think it's useful for fans or people trying to listen to music to put a category on it for sure. I mean, you know, like it's definitely useful to be able to describe something as, you know, a type or like a couple of different types. Cause then it's like, like you say, you were like, Oh, this is like a, a Matthew shoegaze band. It's like, I already kind of know, or at least I know what ballpark I'm in. So of course it's useful. Uh, I definitely never play stuff and I'm like, Oh, this is out of that sound. In fact, that's yeah. a good thing to try getting as far out of that as you can. Uh, you're always trying to push yourself. But then if, 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 if math rock is no, not defined by, but a, a common thread of math rock is these sort of intricate patterns, say, uh, whether they're guitar patterns or, or whatnot, they're sort of, um, how many tracks without them would you be able to do before you go, wait, are we still the same band? Sure. Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, I mean, you know, like to be totally honest, I'm always trying to get away from the math rock tag uh, for like the music that we make just because it's... Sorry to get you on the math rock episode and keep talking about your band. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, you know, people do describe it as a math rock band and it, it, sometimes it's just easier. Depends. Sometimes it's easier to describe it as that and sometimes it's it's actually harder and it makes you feel like you're being overly pretentious or precious about the type of music. And it's like, someone's like, okay, so you're playing a band, what kind of music? And I'm like just to save the hassle. I'm like, Oh, it's kind of like an alternative rock band. And that's like the easiest. And they're like, if they really know about it, then I say, Oh, you know, some people describe us as math rock, but I'm almost like putting the, uh, trying to distance myself from it. Even then when I'm like other people call us that, you know, I try not when to. We, when we first met, we had this conversation. We were sitting on the bus. Um, and I said, you went, Oh yeah, I was a band. I went, Oh, and bear in mind, I'm, I'm the new teacher. Who's about, 15 years older than Glenn. So already you're thinking, what does it, why is this guy asking me? And he went, he went, oh, of course, a rock band. I went, what kind? You went, oh, what flavor rock? I went, yeah. And then you mentioned math. And I went, oh, what like so-and-so? And you went, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's um, good to put you in the right ballpark, I suppose. But Yeah, I, th- I think ballpark's always good. And I think there is an element sometimes, and don't get me wrong, I did this. And I probably do do this as you go, well, actually, I quite like a psychedelic post folk, um, just as a sort of no one else does. And you mentioned earlier, like when you're in sort of uh, fifth form, sixth form years, and you get into something alternative, you want to go, right, what does no one else know that I can say I like? And then I can recommend to people, but they haven't heard about it already. And having the, now all those sub, 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 sub genres are kind of a way to do that rather than just mentioning sort of. Band names. Um, all right, so 
at the beginning of this long-winded thread, um, I talked about a Reddit thread, and that Reddit thread was all about at the drive-in. Yeah. And I remember that name of that band. And when I when I had a look, I was like, yeah, this is this is not how I would have imagined the rest of the the list to be. So why are they here? Mm, good question. I chucked this one on. Um, hmm, why did I put this one on? Shits it's, and giggles is a perfectly good response, by the shits way. Shits and giggles, I suppose. <laughs> it just came to me. I was like, yeah, I can't. Like, why not? It does belong in this kind of world. It's a uh, post-hardcore music. American post-hardcore pushed to their limit of what it could do at that time. And that limit, you know, was definitely flirted around the edges of a kind of mathy rock sound. But, you know, I would probably hold my hands up and say it's not really a math rock song, but it definitely anyone who's in a kind of math rock band would probably use this record as like a really good example of like a cohesive record of challenging guitar music and and it's got Iggy Pop on so that's cool so one thing that tends to define scenes right and whether they're local scenes or whether they're bigger scenes is you often see people turning up left right and center so um i don't know grunge there was that whole temple of the dog thing with 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 uh members of pearl jam and members um of Soundgarden together um you i mean manny has gone from stone roses to primal scream you know you've got people who are in ride who are now in oasis you in the modern era, are there bands that sort of occasionally work together? Like, and has this been a thing? Um, do you ever? Are there people in I don't know Don Cab who occasionally go off and do something with Enablers, for example? Is it as far as you know? Not that I know of. I mean, there's the uh, Don Cab Battles thing. Um, I know that the guitarist from Slint popped up in Interpol. Uh, That's also- a weird one. Yeah, I think he did. Also, Jay Robbins, I'm pretty sure, who produced the Farrakhet record, produced an Interpol record. So there's kind of a weird crossover there. Uh, also, guitarist for Get- Slint joined Gang of Four recently when Andy Gill died about two years ago. Well, that's, uh, which is a proper, that's proper post-punk, post-punk yeah, legends. And, like, I absolutely love Gang of Four. So it was great to be like, oh my God, like that crossover thing, you know, obviously the G- Gang of Four guys would know who this guy is who plays in a really obscure kind of you know, post-rock or math-rock band. Um, okay, so so even, even if there's not a scene of, like, sort of sharing, I mean, do you would you say that generally, as people in a, a certain corner of the rock room, you know each other more than with people across the sort of rock spectrum? Like, do you know more, ba- do you know people from other bands who are more similar to you, is yeah, what I'm trying to say, because you've sure. toured with them or whatnot? Yeah, totally. I mean, definitely touring is a big part of that. You make kind of friends and relationships with people and you sort of like, you might see people if you're playing the same kind of festival and like, oh man, I love that band and wait backstage and try and meet. I don't know. You definitely do have that. Out of all the bands that you know, sort of on a, at least to say hi to. Yeah. Who who is the one that you've, you stood there listening to and gone, oh motherfucker, that's good. Oh, I'm a bit Ooh, jealous now. Too many. Like that moment, that moment where you go, oh, that's, ah, oh, I'm really jealous. I'm really jealous. They're too good. Ooh, I mean, it happens a lot. Uh... So you actually, you you actually, you're still in the point where you enjoy the other artists rather than. Oh yeah, totally. 
I mean, you know, sometimes love it, sometimes hate it, but that is the the joy of music. But um, yeah, definitely it happens a lot. I mean, recently did a tour with a band called the Physics House Band from Brighton. Um, they are not a math band at all. They're kind of more straight up prog or jazz, like a jazz fusion band almost. But I can I can see that. I, as we said earlier, I mean, I can see prog or jazz or jazz fusion or prog jazz fusion and math rock being on the same billing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I was even talking about this with a friend earlier today. He played in another band called Black Peaks, who are a sort of metal band. They, you know, toured with Deftones and all sorts of stuff like that. And he was like, the, we used to always try and tour with a band that sounded totally different. So like, for example, his band would love to play with like a kind of jazz fusion band or like a math rock band, just because it's like, you don't want to have like heavy, like post-metal band after another huge metal band. Cause it's just like, you kind of get a bit exhausted. You need like a palate cleanser or something like that. So, but is, is, is there an element sometimes of that? Like you hear stories from acts that go, yeah. So uh, we supported. Uh, in fact, today, um, uh, they're not Interpol. It's Kings of Leon. There's an artist called Simple Kid who's basically I really like Simple Kid. It's sort of eight bit um, glammy um, lo-fi songy songwriter. Um, and he opened for Kings of Leon on their on the tour where Sexy's on Fire became really big. And he's there going, I I don't know why I was booked. Like yeah, all sure. of the, the teenage girls that turned up for these, these this this massive uh, MTV hit, then I they, I turn up with an acoustic guitar and long hair, and they all stare at me. And I'm thinking, why am I here? So so he yeah, so he supported Kings and Leon. He felt really out of place. What would you say was the biggest difference between yourselves and someone you've either supported or who has supported you? And I mean that in the most positive way possible. Who who were the the furthest apart? Furthest apart support bands, sort of thing. Yeah, right. From you, two people you've shared the stage or you shared a night with another band, and if you put the two, who, who would sound? the least like you, you know, did you turn up and there was a, I don't know. Um, yeah. Who is the, what would be the first eighties pop, I guess, but. <laughs> oh, I wish I literally wish, but uh, no, I'd probably say the physics house band, like more of a jazz band now. Um, but like a kind of modern jazz band, which, you know, they're old friends of ours and stuff, but definitely the most kind of within the same world of like alternative music, but they definitely sound really different and they're going somewhere totally different. I mean, they got a saxophone. Oh, I'm out. No, they're amazing. They're amazing. I don't know why saxophone just, I just, just oh, something about sax that just, just really turns me off. Yeah. Anything. You know what? I'll, that's fine. I just think that, uh, oh, I've had people, I've had people on this very pod give me that look when I've talked about not liking nah, sax. It's, it's just, like, I'm <sighs> just thinking about this band physics. I know exactly what you mean with sax and it is almost stig- a stigmatized instrument, which it makes it all the more interesting when a band actually, challenges you a bit with it and it's like not for everyone but you know what like i think sometimes there's something to be said about splitting the room and being like you guys are not going to like this so this is not for you but you people at the front or on this side here are clearly into it and it's about sometimes it's about splitting the room in the first 30 seconds of you playing like let's split it right now because there's no point if you're not going to like it then let's find out real quick Um, all right. Well, um, is everybody going to like our next track? That was a terrible segue, but I'm just keeping it in. <laughs> which is um, 
Wait, wait, what is our next track? Our next track is a band called Light. Uh, they are the first of two Japanese bands I'd like to have on. Um, yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting into, I've been getting into my Japanese music the last few years, so I'm, I'm, happy, I'm happy to find more. Um, it's, it's back to the instrumental, um, and it's very, very unapologetically mathy, like straight away. Um, again, something about something to be said about splitting the room sometimes. Um, so that was, I mean, that was a, a, a Japanese uh, entry in, into our math canon. And um, I know that there are others, uh, Trico and uh, one called, I think, Zazen Boys, who ex-members of um, Number Girl. Um, is it something that is global now? Or is uh, it like, you know, because Japan has its own post-hardcore scene. Sure. But I, wouldn't, I don't know whether Vietnam had one. Now, is math rocks, could, could, you ident- could you go, oh, yeah, well, I know a band from Brazil. There's this band from South Africa. There's this Australian one. I mean, it yeah, of- it's a full international scene now, which is cool because it's still kind of emerging. It's still growing, you know. Like, I just got from back from Latin America, uh, like, last month, came back in August, um, you know, and played, like, literally all over Latin America. Um, and there is a scene there. There are bands that are doing that kind of thing that are like really inspired by like the Japanese sound or the UK sound or the, you know, they're inspired by this kind of stuff and then sort of giving their own twist on it, you know, but, um, is actually, is there that element then that because it can be, should you want it to be, cause it can be instrumental. And instrumentalization works. Um, you could, if you were Portuguese speaking, and you could listen to some Japanese math rock, and you go, "Well, there's no. It's not like there's vocals. I need to try and work out. There's not. not there's uh-huh. not lyrics or anything like that. It's like you could literally transpose from one to the other. Yeah. So maybe maybe that maybe that maybe that helps. I guess. I mean, yeah. I mean, it might be a reason that some of that. St- instrumental math rock or instrumental music generally is so popular internationally because if you don't speak you don't need to speak japanese they don't sing so uh, you know what i mean and sometimes having lyrics on might kind of take over a bit much or maybe the lyrics are actually really like heavy and important in that track but if you don't understand it, you're missing like an element of it like you know what i mean like imagine trying to listen to the uh I don't know, the Japanese Leonard Cohen. And you might be like, I don't understand what he's saying and it sounds rubbish. As opposed <laughs> to like, sound, it, would sound, it would sound amazing, but I wouldn't know what he was saying. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and maybe that, I think there is also that thing of, uh, I'm not saying this in a particularly a positive way, but because English and rock and English pop has is a global sound, maybe I think people are more, like I live in Spain, Spanish people are more willing to listen to um, music with English voices and in, in English yeah. than say German. Yeah, for sure, totally. Or Russian. You know, so taking that element out removes that. Okay, no, it's it's not something I'd really thought about until about five minutes ago. So sure, yeah, that, that's nice. Um, all right, so okay. Um, on the notes you sent through, you wrote tour and then you wrote toe. Um, is this toe or is this tour? It is toe. Uh, yeah, another Japanese band. Um, Coming from that same kind of Tokyo math rock scene, I guess these ones you'd put more in a post rocky sounding thing. I mean, I remember they, I think they played with Mogwai in Asia, toured with them. Oh, okay. And, and so when when are we talking about for the for the, like the last two, like Light and, and Tour? So is light, this is this a modern thing? Is this like 
So the last uh, track that we listened to came out in 2006. So it's again, the part of that like early 2000s, sort of almost post-hardcore when this kind of math rock sound in like the 2000s was sort of developing its own sound rather than sounding like a 90s band, I guess. Um, okay, and that's interesting. So when, when, we, when we had you on our sister part Temporary Fandoms and we did Number Girl, there was a clear moment where Number Girl went from a band that sounded like Pixies yeah, to a band bringing in proper Japanese traditional sounds and, and into a, into their sort of alternative rock vibe. Um, I, I feel that happens quite a lot in a lot with a lot of bands in a lot of countries. The first one is, oh, I really like I don't know Primal Scream. I'm really big into Blur. We got that got us into a band, and then we do a band, and then the next one we go. Actually, there's some Spanish stuff I want to bring in, or actually there's some Japanese stuff I want to bring in. And there does seem to be this moment where bands who are inspired by international bands find bring in their own stuff. Hmm. Yeah. It's I don't know. It's difficult to. Exp- I'm not sure if there's like a particular Japanese thing that they bring in. It's just. You know what I mean? It's not like they're playing in these kind of Asian scales or anything like that. <laughs> oh no, no, no! I didn't mean. It. <laughs> but like a lot of bands, like their first, but they're even in in the same region or yeah. the same nation. They're inspired by X. Their yeah, first sure. sounds a bit like X, and then they go, "Well, actually, that got our foot through the door." But really, we want to go off and do this. Yeah, I mean, think about Toad, the next band we're playing. I don't think they ever stop doing what they wanted to do. I think their first record, first release, it's very much like, this is who, what we sound like. And, you know, they don't actually need to go any further than that. They just make really nice sounding. Actually, this I suppose this next track is one of the more palatable math rock tracks. Like it's actually kind of easy listening in a way. And it's just like, uh, almost like nice and jazzy, really lovely guitar interplay. And the drummer is an absolute animal, like kind of, on jazzy world music sounding drummer in a rock band it just sounds great we talked about you you guys i delta deep a little bit um what's what's out there now like what was your you, you had a new album out was it this year coming out i can't yes. get confused no we had our new album came out in november 2021 so that was when it came out and we did all the singles throughout december and february and yeah, literally. And you did a bunch of videos as well, like just that, videos from different places around the world, right? That's right. That's right. Uh, that was over. That was like a lockdown project, I suppose, because we were supposed to be recording and then everything got cancelled. So we were like, you know, we made all these little DIY recordings on tours. So we just decided to put that out. But I mean, Spring Island, which is our most recent one, was November 2021. We've just been touring that all this year and probably the beginning of next year and going to start recording again in October. Where, where's the next tour? We're doing some UK dates. We basically split our UK tour up into two legs over like two weekends. So we did we did the UK tour at the beginning of the year. And now we're doing like two big weekends of like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, like the big cities basically. Uh, so okay. yeah, we've got the rest of them coming up in December. Um, and yeah, just recording in October, writing stuff and trying to keep the wheels moving. Nice, nice. Good, good, good. Um, we'll, we'll put a link to your band camp in the thing if anybody reads the thing if you're listening to it there's a thing below this where you listen to this there'll be some text below this and there'll be a link to a band camp you can click on that band camp that's me describing how internet pages work um, <laughs> <laughs> all right so you the third album third album 
Ooh, one, two, three. Yeah, that was the third album. Okay. Yes. So you got you can, you got three albums. You're, you're able to tell the world. Who else is out there in the scene? Um, maybe we haven't mentioned, or maybe people who are sort of if you like this, you'll like those, or anything up and coming. Like, who can sure. people keep a, a, an eye out for? There's a band from the US called Hikes uh, from Austin, Texas. I think they're absolutely great. Um, did a tour with them in the US. Uh, I'm listening to a lot of more shoegazy stuff, to be totally honest with you. But, uh, there's a band that's, from... But that, that, that's what my childhood was like. I don't know if it's... <laughs> you'll probably say it wasn't shoegaze, but uh, there's a band from Boston called uh, Pet Fox, who I absolutely love. Uh, had a new album out uh, beginning of this year, earlier this year. Uh, yeah, Pet Fox are great. Of Love as well, which is just Volvo backwards. Again, another <laughs> kind of shoegazy band. Um, oh, and what else was playing on the... I'm going to say on the tour van, but it's probably not tour vans these days. It's probably, you know, just sort of... God, you, know, any- you know what? When we're on the tour van and we're, if we're driving for like 10 hours a day, we can start off with music that we actually want to listen to. And then it's like, you know what? Let's just go for a... Let's just go for like a ministry, Thin Lizzy, and just like from there to sort of... Oh, actually on the last tour, we played this game where... We were going through famous action stars that we knew and trying to find any music that they've put out on Spotify. Uh, some quite interesting uh, Steven Seagal records out there. <laughs> I was going to go Bruce Willis. Yeah, he's got one. Uh, yeah, yeah, he, he, he was quite. He, he had an album. Like he was Joe Pesci. Joe box. Pesci has a hip hop album. The fuck? Yeah, yeah. 1994 <laughs> Joe Pesci hip hop album. Oh fuck! Let me find it. Uh, oh my god, this is this is amazing. Uh, I, I just, oh, I've just got you, you. Who are you looking at? Who are you looking at? Who are you looking? Well, does he actually rap? Are yo, they? man, <laughs> yeah, it's a full rap album. Uh, yeah, it's pretty hilarious. I wish I could find out what it's called. I can't find it. It's it's the lyrics are really bad. <laughs> it's like <laughs> very cultural appropriation. He not good. <laughs> oh. Oh, and oh, also God. Steven Seagal has a... Re- no, I mean, to be fair, Joe Pesci's is all right. It's, it's just funny. Steven Seagal's is terrible because he actually... I think he sings in Patois. It's like a... Uh, it's like a ragga track. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Oh, my God. Anyway, okay, so, okay. you know, these, these are the upcoming people. Um, we were going to do a different track to end, um, but then we, then we realized what we're doing. Um, so you've got your own label now sofa boy as we just said um and we're going to end on well who we're going to end on so yeah i'm basically terrible at self-promotion so i realized as soon as we've done this uh hold on a second i should probably talk about the band that my label that i set up for (laughs) (laughs) yes uh they're called real terms they're from liverpool uh yeah brilliant band so have a bit of a i always compare them to dirty projectors if anyone knows that band so it's not it is still kind of a math rock band, I suppose, but um, yeah, it's just something quite different about their sound. I think. I think they're really exciting. Uh, yeah, got a new album coming out in February. So, and what's that called? Uh, I don't know the name of it yet. Oh, hello. Don't yeah. to find out. <laughs> the, the, tr- the track is called "Frantically Wrong," um, but um, yeah, I've, I've heard the record. It sounds absolutely brilliant. But uh, yeah, oh my god. Okay, my- I- Okay, well, um, if anyone's listening to this is wondering why there's some weird edits, is because we, we changed track list right at the end. Um, Glenn, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Um, thank you for telling me what is, isn't math, even though I don't think we really got to, to the bottom of it. It's like saying, 
It's like when, when we when I talk to people about early nineties baggy music, I go, "Well, that that's a very wazzy sound." And people go, "Well, what's wazzy?" I go, "Well, I don't know what it is or what it is." Wazzy. But I've you, never I've never heard wazzy before. Oh, I have to say, if you if you listen to, I, I would say that Charlatan's Weirdo is a very wazzy track. There's a lot of waz about that track. There's, there's a, I can't tell you what it is, but I can tell you what. I literally what it's have not. no idea what you just said. <laughs> Char- something's weird. What Char- charlatans? Do you know what the charlatans are, right? No, no, not really. Tim Burgess, Tim's listening party. It's quite a big thing on the internet these days. Like blah blah. I don't. I don't. Oh God, I'm feeling old. <laughs> right. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. If you are listening to this, and please check out um, all of the stuff by Delta Sleep, and I will put links to Sofa Boy. And remember, if you want to support the show, um, there are links either at infrequency.co.uk or at mixcloud.com slash tempfans, and where you can also listen to this for free with music if you haven't already. Um, and at the very least, either review us somewhere or just 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 send the link to somebody who might be interested and get us you know if, if all of you do that then obviously we double our listenership so you know there you go all right see ya <laughs>